Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. We want to go into the world this morning. Um, we're going to be dealing with the same subject, but like I promised you last week, we're coming to the conclusion of entering the city of God. And so um, we're going to be dealing this morning with the name of the city of God, or you just say, the Lord is there. It's just like the subtitle is going to be like part one of what we've been dealing with. Uh, our test remains Revelation 21 from 1 to uh, 1 to 3 and then verse number 10 uh, through 13 or to 12. Let's look a little at verse number 12 of Revelation. Revelation 21 and had a wall. We're talking about the city had a wall and high and the twelve gates and at the gate twelve angels and names written there which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. We've dealt with all of those names of the twelve tribes. So you go to Ezekiel 48 and then we get a connection to what would God say today. Ezekiel 48, 34 and 35 is what we're actually going to be dealing with. And the Bible says, at the west side, 4,500, with the three gates, one gate of God, one gate of Asia, one gate of Naphtali. And then we go to verse number 35. And the Bible says, it was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of the city. From that day shall be the Lord is there. That is what we're going to be dealing with this few weeks. The name of that city is the Lord is there. Praise the living God. And like I made us to understand, you don't die to go into the city. You don't have to be raptured to get into the city. The only way by which you come into the city is to be born again by the Spirit of God. And I made us to understand for every true believer who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, who is walking in the light of the Spirit and revelation of who He is, is in this city. Praise the living God. The world, the Lord is there, actually. She means Jehovah Shammah. That is basically what it stands for. And so we're going to be looking into this and see what the Lord is saying. Hallelujah. If the Lord is already in the city, you are in the city. You are part of the city. And don't forget, the Bible made us to understand a supergirl like I made mention to to us some time past, a city is made up of many houses put together. 
Amen? It's made up of many houses put together. That's what makes up a city. So, this city of God is also made up of many houses, if you will. And that is where you should understand that when the Bible talks about my father's house and many mansions, you are one of the mansions that makes up this corporate house of God, which finally makes up the city of God. And so the name of the city from that day shall be called the Lord is here, which like as actually means Jehovah Shammah. Now, this is an allusion to the Shekinah glory of God. All the symbol of the divine presence of the Lord, which was in the first temple that was built. But we know that it was not in the second temple. When the Lord said, the Lord is there, what Isaiah, I mean Ezekiel was given this prophecy, what he was trying to say was God is going to manifest his presence in this temple as the fullness. Essentially, we find that the prophet was dealing more with Israel. This glory, his divine presence, shall be in this city of which he's talking about. And essentially he was trying to say, well, when Israel comes to the promised land, and then the land is divided among them. If you understand, all of the tribes, they have their portion of land. Is that okay? Fine. When all the lands have been divided among the children of Israel in the promised land, and then the final of the temple in the promised land, the glory of the Lord shall be made manifest in that temple. So, this is what the Lord is talking about. And so he's talking about the full manifestation, the powerful manifestation of the presence of the glory of the Lord in this city. And that is what he means by Jehovah Shema. It's a way of describing how Jesus condescended from the realm of glory to become a man. It's a way of describing how he who is mostly divine became a human being. And that he carried the full essence of God's divinity as a human being. Indicating that any time the temple of the Lord is fully structured and put in place, the divinity of God is made manifest through that temple. By implication, you being the temple of God, the Lord expects each and every one of us to become the full expression of his divinity. Right on the face of the earth. This is something you're going to see as we move on, looking at other scriptures. Now, like I said, I taught in the tribe of Israel, the prophet mind in this passage was when they should have fully restored the beautiful temple after dividing the land among them, and then the glory of God will come in. But the truth again is this this is prophetic of that which is to come. Praise the living God. The Bible made us to understand first natural, then what? Spiritual. It first Adam, then Jesus. The physical temple, then the spiritual temple. Hallelujah. Let me say this. You see, if you really think about where God has been living in terms of human being. First of all, you talk about the physical section. He first dwelt in the temple. Right? In the physical dimension. 
Is that okay? And they ask. But when he talks about human beings, the first place we will say that God resided was supposed to be in Adam. And then the second place God resided was supposed to be in Jesus. And the third place God is residing is the church, which is you and I. Now, let, let me tell you this. This may surprise you. But when the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, reading from verse number 1 to 3, Paul was saying it will come to visions and revelation, who boasts of all the things that the Lord had made him to see, that he was cut up to the third heaven, or to paradise, and they call it third heaven. Is that okay? And then he saw things which was not lawful for man to alter at that particular time. What is paradise? The word paradise is the same thing as a paradise, so which actually speaks of the word garden. And 1 Corinthians 3, the Bible tells us this night that you are the garden of the Lord. And if I may make you understand, what Paul saw was the fullness of the church in full glory. That is the third heaven of God that he saw. Do you understand what I'm saying? What he was saying is what God intends to do in the future is something that I cannot say now because you may not be able to understand what I have seen of the glory that God wants to reveal in his church. That is the third heaven that he saw. It was not something up in the sky. He saw you and I in the full glory of the Father. At the fullness of time. Do you understand what I've just said? Praise the living God. So here, he was dealing with another temple entirely. The holy temple of God that will come into place. He was dealing with the promised land that was going to come. Not the one that they were living in. In view of what he was writing about. And that is the land that should be called Emmanuel. The new land which he was actually talking about. When he said the Lord is there. What does that mean? He speaks about Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Do you understand? Listen, if you can catch what I'm about to share with you this morning, all your fears will disappear. You will sleep peaceably in your home, knowing one thing, that God is always with you. And that through you, He wants to reveal His glory. I am trying to look for a church that wherever you and I step into the glory of the Lord be fully manifested in the atmosphere. Because we become the carrier of His presence. Hallelujah. This is a city which is called the New Jerusalem. And this is a city which is the New Temple, like I'm saying. And that basically is the Christian church, which is the house of the living God. Let's look at the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, reading from verse 14 to 15. This is what Elijah and Ezekiel was talking about. He's not talking of some land that was, you know, passed beyond or something. Paul is writing and saying, These things are right unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. And verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, in the house of God, which is what? The church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Let me say something. Do you know what bottomless, bottomless peace stands for? We read these scriptures, and you see, we've been, we've been taught, most of you we've been taught, we've been told. 
bottomless field means hell, means whatever, as something as the case may be. But simple English will tell you that that is not accurate. If something is bottomless, then there is no bottom. Am I correct? I mean, this simple English. When something is bottomless, it means there is no foundation. What it means is, when you say bottomless pit, we are talking about a lying system that has no end, no truth. The ground and the pillar of the truth is in the church. Anything outside of the church has no foundation. That's why it's bottomless. No truth, no ground, nothing to stand on. Are you listening to me? And we think it's a hole somewhere. No. <laughs> Glory to God. Maybe we'll find time to deal with all of that sometimes. But that's just what it stands for. So we're trying out the unlimited resources of iniquity that men continue to perpetuate. No end to lies. No end to deception. No end to false religious system. That's what it means, bottomless feet. The only place you find bottom is the church. And that's what he told you here. Every other system is bottomless. Are you there with me? As good as science is, there is no end. They bring drugs today, tomorrow they say the drugs can no, can no longer be used. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Because you see, that, oh, this drug is no longer good. Only yesterday it was so perfect. Only two days ago. Bottomless. Everything outside of God is what? Bottomless. No truth, no foundation. Are you listening to me? Lies. Go into politics. Go into business. No foundation. The unlimited resources of iniquity. Unending deception of man. That is what bottomless peace is all about. Praise God. And what we think is a whole somewhere. And that is, of course, the way we've been taught. But I'm saying that is not true. There is only one place that there's bottom. Only one place there's ground. And that is the church. Did you, did you understand what I've just said here? Praise God. Okay. So here we go. So we're dealing with the church, which is the truth or the, the foundation of truth, the ground of truth in your life. In other words, you can stand when you come to church, you have foundation, you have ground to stand on, you have a place to be able to say, well, I know I have a future. Is that okay? There, there ought not to be, and there is no deception if you truly found it in the Christ of Jesus Christ, which has to do with this world. Praise the Lord. So here we find out the presence of Christ shall be found forever. Where? In the church. And all its inhabitants, all that believe in his name, shall be the temple of the Holy Ghost. Where his presence is expected to do what? To manifest. You see, what, what you've not realized is this. And I'll make you say it. That of a truth, you are the carrier of God's presence. Wherever you go. Amen? You're listening to me? You are a carrier of God's presence. Um, one of our young men met me. I mentioned this some time ago in this place. He went with one of his cousins to a shrine. His brother to a shrine. 
And before they could get there, actually, as the brother, the brother asked him to escort him there for one thing or the other they needed to do, or he needed to do. On getting to the shrine, the high priest of the shrine spoke to this young man. Don't come in here. That this shrine cannot accept you to come here. That there is something in your life that cannot allow you to step into this shrine. But this other man can come. The shrine will reject you. Are you, are you see what I'm talking about? You see, I'm trying to make you understand that there is something you carry that you don't know. That is why you have been deceived all the time. Now, I'm not talking about what happened in Jerusalem. I'm talking about what happened not just in Nigeria. I'm not talking about what happened in death or death. going to happen here. And I'm saying the same thing. Even wherever your name is called, you'll be rejected. For you to know that, you see, it's not all those prayers you pray and... Uh, you see, you... If you have an understanding of who you are, if you can come to that understanding that even as you're walking on the road, you have the glory of the Lord, you have preserving power of angelic spirit all around you, if you can understand that, you sleep with your two eyes closed. Do you understand what I'm saying? How will you like the devil to reject you? You see, the devil told, <laughs> you love it. This is serious, Pastor. The devil told Job. I mean, he told God. Do you remember that? He said, God, he said, I cannot touch him. Does he serve you for nothing? What about the edge that you provided around him? There's an edge. Now, Job did not know that there was energy around him. So he was praying and serving God with fear because he had no understanding that was that edge of glory around him. And the Lord said, okay, you want to touch him? I will remove the edge. It was because God removed the edge that the devil touched you. For the devil to touch you, God must remove the edge. Now God has refused to remove the edge, so he can't touch you. You're listening to me. That's why your fear must disappear. You are not like any other man. That's why if you are serving God, serve him. If you must serve him, serve him. And get the reward of serving him. Are you waving me? Just like those two guys. The devil will say, come in here. The devil will say, go away. I can't receive you. Do you know what? If that guy has to step in there, he will neutralize every power that's in the shrine. That's why the priest said, don't come here. And that tells you what happened when the ark was being brought for Benedon's place. And they decided to keep him. I'm not if you remember. They finished sense. When the ark was placed in the same temple with Dagon, what happened the next morning? Dagon fell down, all of it was broken to pieces. And so shall it be before you. Because of who you carry. For the Lord is there. It's in his temple. <laughs> the Lord is there. See, truth is this. We, we don't know yet the God we serve. We don't know yet what, what it means for us to serve the God we serve. I told us here some time ago, the Bible made us to understand in the book of Sam that those who worship idols, they are like the idols. They don't speak, they don't talk. Is that okay? It simply tells us one thing, that you are exactly the person you do what? You worship. 
So if you are an idol worshiper and you love the idols, if you are worshiping God and Jesus Christ, you're going to be like God. Now you tell me where Jesus was going to be sleeping and with his eyes open and, and being frightened because the devil was coming to kill him. Praise God. Talk with me to 2 Corinthians 6 verse number 16. Let me begin some journey with you about how powerful this word is. The Lord is there. <laughs> the Lord is there. You see, in, you know what? The first time the Lord ministered this word to me, and that was almost about 15 years ago when I was studying, I got to the place and said, the Lord is there. Something entered into my spirit. Now, you see, the prophet is saying, the Lord is in his temple. The Lord is right there. That by the time the temple, I mean, the Lord is there. You know what he's talking about? He was talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. I will make you see that. That by the time Jesus goes to the cross and comes back, by the Holy Spirit begins to reside in you, the Lord is going to be in his temple. But here is the church being afraid all the time. And people teach you how the devil is about to kill you, how, how all kind of demons are in your life, whatever. What about the Lord that is supposed to be there? Praise God. Okay, so let's look at this. I want the agreement had a temple of God with idols. For ye, corporately, are the temple of the living God. As God has said, and this is where I enjoy so much in this passage, I will dwell in them. You know what that means? I will live my life in them. The Lord is there. I will walk in them. Glory. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. We can stop there. I want you to look at those three things. As soon as the temple is built, God said, I will dwell in that temple. But ye are the temple of the living God. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. And they shall be my people. I mean, have you come to this understanding? Have this scripture made meaning to you? Even as you study the word. I will dwell in them. Is a statement God made. And Prophet Ezekiel is saying, as soon as the temple is, is, is completely set in place and finished and everything, all the characteristics we talked about, all the land being shared among the children of Israel, and the temple finally put in place, the Lord is going to be there. And now there's a fulfillment. You are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. And they shall be what? My people. And if, if God be for you, who can be against you? God said, you are my people. He is identifying with you. You see, he is saying, you belong to me. You know, how many of you understand the book of Isaiah? The scripture said, God said, I've written your names in my palms. I, I was sharing with this 
when we were in South Africa a few weeks ago, I made them to understand something. How will the enemy get you without first opening the hands of God? Because that's where you are. He said, I've written your names where? In my palms. So for anybody to catch you, to get you, he must first allow God or ask God or make God to do what? To open his palms. What is this fear all about in the church? It's all because of the way we've been programmed, the way we've been, we've been taught. I remember when I was stepping into South Africa, going through the immigration, and one of the immigration officers called me and said, what do you, what do you come here for? I'm a missionary. I said, um, you're a missionary? Say, do you pray for people? Yeah, shall I pray? So, okay, can you pray for somebody who is under a cause? Who has been caused? I said, somebody who has been caused? Yes. I said, you mean you are under a cause? I said, you can't be under a cause. If you are under a cause, you can't be here. You are an officer. You are earning government money. You've gone to school. Why are you under a cause? Who told you you are under a cause? He said, Pastor, wait. There are a lot of things they've told us. I need to know. I begin to find that there is real fear in the heart of this man that is living on that cause. Then second, the first thing you need to understand is this. The scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are just thinking that you are under a cause, but you are not under a cause. That nobody can cause you. He says, is that possible? I said, look at what the scripture says. There is no enchantment against Israel, neither divination against Jacob. No man can cause you because there is no enchantment, no divination against you. If I took me almost about 30 minutes, everybody was standing and going to other counters. I was preaching right there. He couldn't do otherwise. The next thing he said, Can I get your number? I said, You have it free. This is my card. He said, You don't talk like other people told us. I said, That is the difference between the true messengers of God and men who are peddling what the gospel is to make a living. Jesus came to set us free. Praise the living God. How can you say you're under a cost and you're earning so much money? Huh? As a senior immigration officer. Okay. If the cost were to be working, how can you still be here at this time? You should be suffering somewhere. Maybe being in jail. That tells you you're not thinking right. Instead of working on yourself and doing what you're supposed to do, you say you're living under a cost. Who costs you? No man can cause you. And even if anybody tries to put a cause on you, whether it's your biological father, and you have a spiritual father, that cause can be nullified. I don't know if you understand that. Reuben was caused by his father. Moses came and nullified the cause. There is, there is no cause that can abide. Just like a bird that is flying. What did the Bible say? Say, costly is he that is not caused. You can't be caused by any man. Is a problem in your mind. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Look at what the scripture is saying again. You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will do what? I will dwell. I will reside. I will have my abode in them. God has not chosen any other place than you to live in. The choice of God's residence is your life. 
Excuse me. I remember one time. I asked my wife this question. She answered, but not to my satisfaction from medical perspective. Now, we were driving to Ilori some time, and there was there was this madman that was by the center of the road. Not not at the center. She sat, he sat at the center of the road. Now, all the drivers were now taking one side of the road. When we passed the place, the spirit minister to me, do you know why people are avoiding this man? And I said, no. He said, because he's the temple of the devil. Just like you are the temple of God. Because it's like the devil is ministering, don't destroy my house. And people were avoiding the man. I asked my wife the question. This man is sitting on the road. If we were to be a normal man, they will crush him. Am I correct? Then driver will get angry. What is stupid man? They will crush him. But here is a madman and they are avoiding the man. Why are they avoiding him? Who is more important and relevant to society? Is it a madman or the normal man? They will crush the normal person. But they see a madman, they are avoiding him. Don't you think somebody is ministering to the driver? He is a temple of the devil. The devil is saying, don't come and destroy my house. And they are avoiding. Unknown to you, there's a spiritual connection. Then I ask the question, why would mad people go to the dustbin and eat? Because every day you must wash hands, sanitation, you must wash hands, you wash plates. The mad people go to the dustbin, collect, and they are eating, and they are still surviving. What is responsible? And she told me they are immune. Ah. So (laughs) why can't we be immune? You see, there is a that that man there is a house to a spirit being. So if those spirits can preserve them, God can preserve you. So for you to be immune, you, you must be mad. Is that what we are saying now? See the problem? They go to does mean eat anything. The one you cast away, leftovers, maggots, they are eating and they are strong, so they are immune. I agree. I also think we can be immune too. <laughs> Glory to God. By the power of the living God, we can be immune. You listening to me? You see, we must, we must take these things and apply them. We must see these things and see them from a spiritual perspective. This man is not eating anything. Flies in their mouth, everything. They are moving on. Huh? Look at us. We put net in our mosquito house. Put net, put everything. Just because of mosquito bites. <laughs> I remember one of my uncles. He's late now. Huruma by name. I come up in the night, enter my scene, mosquitoes on his I say, Uncle, kill this. He said, No. After eating, they should eat. <laughs> and the man is never sick without the mosquitoes. He's never sick. He said, If I don't eat it, why would the mosquitoes eat? Let them eat. Mosquito will gather his leg when he's taking breeze in the night. In the village, you won't see this man kill mosquitoes. Think about that. What kind of life is this that we are living? And yet God said, I'm going to dwell in them. I'm trying to make you understand that there is a power in your life. 
There is an energy in your life. For the Lord is there. Whatever thing that making those people to be immune against the diseases, that same spirit in you is going to make you to be immune. We have divine immunity. You see, we think in sickness too much. No, 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 no. no. We, we think in sickness too much. We don't understand that God wants to, wants to change us, wants to transform us. We don't understand that truly we are God's temple. Hallelujah. Is anybody following me? No, you tell me. God said, I'm going to dwell in them. I've just tried to illustrate, it, illustrate to you now what it means for another spirit to dwell in a person. Hmm? For a spirit to dwell in a person and how that life is supposed to be. Now, the next thing he says, I'm going to walk in them. How does God walk in you? I'm going to walk in them. You see, that is where people get it wrong. When they start thinking that God is like somebody like you. With two eyes and two legs and you understand? Two ears. They think like you. But God told them, God, he told Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. He said, you see, God has spoken to you, but you saw no form. You saw no similitude. So don't go and make an image that looks like fish that you see or animal that you see. Is that okay? How does God walk in you? How does God walk in you? It's my question. Okay. Uh, I think to start with, are we still together here? I would like to read a scripture. I would like to read the scripture. Let's go to Genesis chapter 8. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Genesis chapter 8. Look at this. Uh, oh, sorry. Chapter 3, verse number 8. Genesis 3, verse number 8, if you can find it. If you see, have it in your Bible, that will be fine. Otherwise, are we there? Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8. Here is Adam and Eve. The Bible says, And they heard the voice of Lord God walking in the garden. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Alright. They had God walking. That means, now you think about it. There's something here. One minute. Look at it. They heard the, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. What time? In the cool of the day. In the cool of the day. And this is very important. The word cool there is very important. That word cool means spirit. It means wind. It means other translations say breeze. So not in the evening. We've all we've always taught it to mean in the evening. They had God come in the evening walking in the garden. That's not what the Bible says. God walks in the breeze of the day. I'll make you say something now. But get the picture right. And that's why I keep telling people 
You don't know God by miracles. You don't know God by signs and wonders. There's a big difference between getting the manifestation of God in terms of signs and wonders and miracles. Right? Which are His acts and not His ways. The signs and wonders and miracles are the acts of God. But to know God is going to be through His voice. You can know God outside of the voice of God. And that is why in John 10 he says, My sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of strangers they will not follow. And I give you this example severally. These people got to know when they have what? The voice of the Lord. Now, it was the voice that was working, not a human being. Can you read it again? <laughs> Look at it. And they had the voice of the Lord God working. Now, how can a God, how can a voice walk? Hallelujah. Did you notice that? Maybe they thought God was walking and was singing a song. And then they heard God singing on the other side of the garden. Maybe that's what they thought. Or that's what we teach. No, but what they have was the voice walking. They knew God was around because they had the voice. Is that okay? Right. And when you go to the book of John again, you find the same principle. I told you here some time ago. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave, Mary Magdalene went there and was thinking that this man was a gardener. And he spoke to Jesus and he said, If you know where they have laid them, please let me have the cards. And what was the reply of Jesus? Jesus simply said, Mary. And what's the response? Rabboni. How did Mary get to know that this was Jesus? Through the voice. You can't know God through acts. Signs and wonders and miracles. Those are the acts of God. But to know God is going to be by His ways. The ways of God are past finding. Nobody can actually know Him through what? His voice. Are you with me? Okay. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Let me begin to show you. So what I show you then is what? Spirit. Ephesians 2.20. The Bible says, speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles now, the Bible says, I built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself be the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, growing as unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are built together, Jews and Gentiles, for an what habitation of God to what? To the Spirit. Did you see? When Jesus died and rose again, he released the Spirit. And then the Jews and the Gentiles begin to come. God begins to structure a temple. Don't forget what we're dealing with. The Lord is there. Is that okay? They begin to build a temple through the ministration of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible is telling us here, the temple is being built for what? For the habitation of God through the Spirit. So, how does God live? Now, here, first of all, look at it. It talks about, you know, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it talks about we've been living stones built together as a temple. Is that okay? Very good. So, we're trying to say here, the stone in the temple are all properly placed so also to form a complete house and be a habitation for the deity that is worshipped there. So are also both believers, Jews and Gentiles, Prepared by the doctrine of the prophet and apostles, under the influence of the Spirit of Christ, 
to become a habitation of God, a church in which shall be holy worship, in which can be continually worshipped and dwelling by who? By God. In other words, hear this. Anytime somebody wants to worship a shrine, what's the first thing they do? They build a temple. Am I correct? Come on. You, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> when you say shrine, anytime you mention the word shrine, there's a little temple there. What is the access? You can't worship an object without first structuring a house for it. Is that okay? So now the first thing I think Paul is saying here, speaking to the Gentiles, the Ephesians. Now Ephesus had a very powerful temple that was dedicated to the goddess Diana. Is that okay? So it's like Paul is saying, you see that temple there? Yes, you've been worshipping the deity of the goddess Diana in that temple. But see, when Jesus died, raised up the apostles, he began to structure his own temple. So the temple right now, where God lives, just like you know that there is a God in that temple, up there in that hill, that God is right now where? In you. You are now the temple of the living God. So the deity you worship over there, there is now the living God living where? Inside of you. This is what Paul was telling them now. He wanted to bring their mind away. Because they already knew it. There, the deity called the goddess Diana can only be worshipped in the temple that has been built for that God. Is that okay? Very good. So here he says, God, if you want to equate it to this deity of the thing, is already living in his own temple. And you are now what? That temple. He lives in you by what? By the Spirit. So when he says, the Lord is there. What it means to say is, the Spirit of God is in you. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. First Corinthians three sixteen. Then I'll show you something again. First Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye know that ye are what? The temple of God. And that what? The Spirit of God dwelleth in you. It's a simple question. Don't you know it? It's like saying you don't know, but you ought to know that the Spirit of God dwells what? In you. And if the Spirit of God that raised up Christ from the grave dwells in you, He shall quicken even what? Your mortal bodies. The Spirit dwells in you. So you must allow the Spirit. First Corinthians 12, verse 7 tells us something. He said, every one of you ought to profit from the Spirit. You ought to profit from the Spirit. Let me tell you something. We have no consciousness of this thing. That's the problem. And I was dealing with a friend, somebody who is very close to me in South Africa recently. And we're talking and he told me, he said, my mom is out of drugs and my cousin is out of drugs by simply changing their diet. And what were we discussing? Blood pressure that kills people every day. Now, look at, look at what is going on. You take these drugs for this blood pressure thing, and then this also tell you to be careful how you take this medication because they affect your kidney, they affect your liver. What are we going to do? Huh? They will tell you don't use for too long. Don't use for all this. 
day they affect your kidney. So you 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 dealing with blood pressure, kidney suffering. That's why we must go back to the spirit. That man that dwells in us. That if I quicken our mortal bodies, are you listening to me? We must go back to our origin. We must go back to our source. Then I asked the guy, how did they overcome no more drugs and all that? He said they simply changed their diet. Say, even look at my wife. She just changed her diet. So, most times, we are dying because of what we are eating. Listening to me. The kind of food we eat. That's what is killing us. And to do with the devil. You just change your diet and they're off drugs. As I'm talking to you now. They're off drugs. They're not taking medication. Their BP is normal. They're living a normal life. But my friend said, but I can't eat my wife's food. I said, what is it? He said, no taste at all. <laughs> so that's what is killing us. Sweet teeth. Sweet teeth is what is killing us. And we think it's the devil. So if we know how to eat, and with the spirit within us, you can be healthy. You can live long. Hallelujah. You can live long. I remember Dr. Brown once told me, get out of red meat and then I was in Abuja one time when I went for a visa paid for the hotel and I went there and I was trying to eat in a little place and here is this man I ordered for the meal and he looked at the food said what is it, what is it the woman said what is it, he said no meat, no red meat no red meat, bring more, bring more and my mama said my goodness does this man hold his own <laughs> praise the living God but now here is the problem Doctors say don't take red meat. Those who are doing ketogenic, have you heard about that? Have you heard about that? They say eat red meat. Doctors say don't take, don't take eggs. Ketogenic say take two eggs a day. Which one do we follow? We have problems. <laughs> Which one do we follow? Are you with me? We must go back to the Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. We must begin to know who lives within us. Praise God. Don't eat this, eat this. Don't eat that, eat that. Which one do we take? Because the truth is we're all far away from the original source. Are you listening to me? So we're experimenting with our lives. But let's go back to the spirit. Here the Bible says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Spirit of God dwells in you. Praise God. So how does God walk? God walks in you by what? By the spirit. Look at, look at Job chapter 38 verse 1. Job 38 verse 1. Is anybody liking this? Job 38 verse 1. Look at it. Here's what he said. Then the Lord answered Job, Out of the wild we now said. Remember, they had the voice of God. So where did Job get this voice from? From the wind, from the spirit. Who is he that darkened cancer by words without what? Knowledge. Who is this? 
Where did Job get this voice from? From the wild wind. That is exactly how Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord. And so where is the voice of the Lord today in the true sense? It's not outside of you. It's in you. Did you get that? Because the spirit of the Lord dwells where? In you. You are his temple. Now, how many of us are truly here on the spirit? That's the problem. How many of us are taking decisions because the spirit administered to us? Because we don't even know that the spirit can communicate with our spirit. Now, listen. The simple truth is this. You lost this connection when Adam sinned. Now, you identify with Adam. Jesus came and reconnected you back with the, the Spirit of God. So now, you are the Son of God by reason of the Spirit. Because the Bible says, if the Spirit of His Son dwells in you, quicken your mortal body. But again, the Bible says, God has given us the Spirit of His Son, whereby we cry, what? Abba, Now, I want to say something now that will make you feel bad, but take it from me. I want to say it, but let me put it this way first. We, we will grow to the place in God where you will no longer use the word Jesus. Because the Son cannot call upon the Son. The Son can only call upon the Father. I know that is shocking. I know men will say that is blasphemy. <laughs> but you see, never a time did Jesus say, in the name of Jesus, Come on, are you with me? But he will tell you everything I'm doing is the spirit of the Father that God dwelt in me. He wouldn't even say any name. Why? Because he was operating in the fullness of what? Of sonship in relation to God. And that is why his prayers, Father, I know you hear at me always. Lazarus, come out. Is that okay? He talks to the devil, come out. He won't call upon any name because he was one with the name. He was in the nature of the Father. He was the Son of the Father. He had authority. God already said, This is my beloved Son in whom I will please. Hear ye him. So even when the wind was coming, Simply be, be still. The wind have to be. We have to be still because the wind heard when God said, "Hear, hear him." You listening to me, man? We are going to grow. Did I say don't use the name of Jesus now? Before you get me wrong. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you're going to mature to that place where it is what you say that counts. Not any religious thing. You see a devil say, come out. Just, just go. Do you understand that? And they have to obey because you are one with the son. <laughs> you say, I've given out the spirit of his son. Whereby we cry what? Abba Father. That's what I'm telling you. It's just that we have not matured enough. That's why we are where we are right now. But when you mature to that place, knowing you are one with God, He has given the Spirit of Christ. He, okay, help me. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I know some of this thing can be 
can be dangerous, but where? <laughs> what about if they are coming out? We got to share them. Makes no difference. Some of people tell me, David, preach simple message that can just simple message. As I'm sorry, I'm not an exhorter. I teach the word by revelation. Is that okay? Uh, the simple message you want now is I'll teach you. Don't be worried. Uh, you see, don't worry. <laughs> All is going to be well. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing. Don't, don't, don't. You know, I remember somebody once told me on Sundays, don't preach revelation. I said, which one is revelation? Which one is message? I don't know. What I'm teaching, is this revelation? I don't know if it's revelation. I don't know if it is uh, whatever. But I'm telling you who you are. I'm trying to... I'm trying to make you know who you are. Which one is better? To just encourage you and say, don't cry, don't cry, you know, like a baby. Don't cry every day. Or instead of making, making you to know exactly who you are, so that you stop crying because you know who you are. Babies cry, adults don't cry. Am I correct? So we come to church every day, don't cry, don't cry. It is way, don't cry, don't cry. Huh? <laughs> I was speaking to somebody. We're having a meeting. Made them to understand this. You know why we continue every day, every day, all of us, every day, we keep looking for the prophet to tell us one thing about our lives. Because we're not hearing God. If you're hearing God, and God is speaking to you, why do you need somebody else to come talk to you? Why are you looking for people to prophesy over your life? Every day. Hallelujah. It's because we're not hearing God. We put the church the way it is so that we can have opportunity to be ministering to them and giving them a word of prophecy and they're just like babies to us. Babies every day. Babies cry. I don't, don't cry. Even you, you parents, you tell little boys, men don't cry. So don't cry. Am I correct? You tell your children, men don't cry. But when you come to church, you always cry. Whether you be men or women, you always cry. You come to church, you are crying. Because you don't know who you are. I want you to become who you are supposed to be. You see, Paul prayed a prayer. Galatians 4.19 His own desire is that Christ be formed in you. Christ! Did I say we should read the passage? Amplified translation, 2 Corinthians 5. Let's read this verse 14. <laughs> Look at this. Amplified. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, this is what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14. For the love of Christ controls us and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Huh? I'm going to take my time to break this down because this way I'm going to stop. If one died for all, then all died. What's that supposed to mean? We all died in Adam. Now Jesus died, and it has to be for what? For all. So you cannot die again. You have died. You died in who? In Christ. When he went to the cross, you were there. Hmm? When he went to the cross, you were there. You died in him. Because you died in Adam. Praise the Lord. 
Look at verse 2. I mean 15. And he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for what? For their sake. So what's the sake? If that same spirit that raised up Christ from the grave dwells in you, he shall quicken even your mortal bodies. For your sake. Now, Scripture says, if you be risen together with him, seek those things that are above. Have you read that? That's Colossians 3, verse 1. Look at 16 now. Consequently, for now on, we estimate and regard no one from purely human point of view. In terms of natural standards of value, no. Even though we once did estimate Christ from the human viewpoint, and as a man yet now, we sought knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. What is he saying? You can't be picturing Jesus like you anymore. He's now in spirit form. It's a completely different one who was walking in the land of Palestine. That is why, you see, Mary could not recognize him because he appeared in another form. Is that alright? Now he's saying, I don't have to look at you from a human point of view. So I can't be seeing David to be David. I have to see Christ in David. I have to see him to be a different person entirely from who he is naturally. That is why it's difficult for you to know who people really are. Because you see, even John the Baptist could not recognize who Jesus was. Do you understand that? John the Baptist was saying, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't And that's the truth. You don't know anybody. You think you know me, you don't know me. You can only know me by the Spirit. We can only connect by the Spirit. Hallelujah. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if any person is crafted in who? In Christ, the Messiah. He is what? A new creature. A new creature altogether. Altogether. Praise God. The old previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has done what? Has come. You are not who you used to be. If I, if I, if I was living in number 15, name any street you want in your mind. And then, somebody comes in and the place I was living was just a room. And then they demolished the building because there was enough cash for the guy. And he said, David, just give me three days. And then he comes in three days, put up another structure which is like a duplex. I'm certain if you come looking for me, you will miss the house. Because it's a new house entirely. Am I correct, somebody? He said, let me tell you something. The devil is already missing your identity, but you don't know. Because you are not who you used to be. You are a new house, a new temple. And so when the devil is looking for you, he comes to your gate, he can't even find you. Because you are not who you used to be. Your address have changed. The house structure have changed. The painting have changed. 
Everything has changed. No way, no man after the flesh, even though we are. For everyone you see is a new creature. In who? In Christ Jesus. That is the problem. We are always talking about the devil pursuing us. It's simply because you have not changed your identity. Hmm? A friend sent me a WhatsApp message. Every morning he likes doing that. He's praying, praying for people. Sometimes I wonder, you have not even been able to pray for yourself. You pray for other people. You say WhatsApp prayer, prayer, prayer. And then one day he sent me one. The devil that is pursuing you from today. Then I say, bro, excuse me. I, I love you, but this one, I'm not saying amen to it. I have not even been saying amen to the previous one. Not to talk of this one. And he said, why do you say so? I said, if you think there's a devil, you think an enemy, let's follow what Jesus said. What did Jesus say we should do to our enemies? Pray for your enemies. So, will you send me something? My enemies are going to die today. I said, that contradicts what Jesus said. He said, well, that's your opinion. I said, it's not my opinion. I'm talking of the Bible. And then another day, he sent me another one. I told him, I said, but... I told you before, don't ever send me this thing. Now, I'm going to block you now. Because I don't need it. You have not even... You see, when you tell me somebody is my enemy, what have you done? You added the responsibility to my life. I've not had time to pray for the members of the church. But the Bible says pray for your enemies. That means, by the time I finish praying for church members, I will add the enemy to it. You're adding responsibility. I don't need that. And that to be giving a consciousness of an enemy pursuing me. You will talk. You're wasting my time. Where is the enemy? If you be a new creature, no enemy is going to be able to know you. They can't identify you. Because you have a new identity. Praise God.